Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Let's Talk Tribe. This is episode 10. It's uh, Thursday night. The Indians are about half an hour removed from getting swept by the Braves, uh, which puts them at 71 and 62. Uh, they are four games behind Oakland for that second wild card spot, four and a half behind Tampa Bay, uh, also behind Baltimore with the Yankees only a game back. So uh, obviously the series couldn't really have gone any worse um, with the big culprit being the lineup which continues to have a lot of trouble scoring runs. Uh, a total of three runs in three games against Nevada. Uh, the pitchers gave up only eight. You give up eight runs in three games and lose all of them. Uh, that's pretty tough. And I looked since August started, uh, 26 games they've played. The pitching's been great. They've allowed three or fewer runs 15 times, uh, but they've scored three or fewer 16 times. So, uh, you know, the lineup, which was the strength of the team for most of the season, really failing them now. Um, got a big weekend series with Detroit, and uh, my guest this week, so look back to the wreckage of the Braves series and ahead to the weekend and try to figure out what the Tribe's chances are, is Ryan Richards, who is the editor and lead writer with us at Let's Talk, or at Let's Go Tribe. And uh, welcome back to the show, Ryan. So thanks for having me again, Jason. Um, so your task with the, uh, sitting through games like tonight and then having to stay up late to write a recap, um, what is there to say? I mean, you know, this is sort of three games in a row, pretty similar. Um, how are you feeling at the end of the series? Well, um, it's, you feel, feel, kind of feel the same after every, you know, each of the three games. Um, it's the same culprit, the, they, you know, the, the pitching has been great. Um, you know, on Monday night with Salazar or Tuesday night with Salazar in, in the uh, bullpen. Last night was right. Masterson in the bullpen. Tonight was Jimenez and uh, Cody Allen and uh, two runs, two runs, three runs, or two runs, three runs, three runs, and you lose all of them. So it, it has right. to be the offense. And, and how how you feel about it, it's kind of. When you don't score, I think is one is the worst kind of game to watch. When the, when the team isn't scoring on offense, at least when right. they're scoring, you feel like they have a chance of coming back. Yeah. But of late, in at least past the All Star break, it's just been. I mean, if they give up that three run homer that Jimenez gave up after they gave up that home run, I thought they lost. <laughs> That's how bad it's gotten. <laughs> yeah, I mean. It- a team like Atlanta, who's got, you know, Craig Kimbrell, maybe the best closer in baseball. I mean, I – the game was over 
when when they were still behind going into the ninth. Um, yeah, I've got no confidence, and really in in anyone at the plate right now. I mean, I guess there's some guys I'm more frustrated with than others, but there's there's no one I'm excited to see at the plate right now. It feels like the whole team is floundering. Yeah, uh, and, and I was looking at looking at the stats, and that pairs you out. Looking at the August stats, I mean, it's it's ugly. Um, there's one. Actually, the one you know, the probably the, the top guy is Carlos Santana. His OPS is seven sixty five. He's the leader of the team for August, so it's a, that's two twenty four, three fifty three, four twelve, which is oh, you know, not very good. But he's the best of the team, and yeah, and some exactly. of the other guys that you're, some of the other guys that you're, I mean, Jason Kipnis. Um, has a 686 OPS. Uh, as Drupal Cabrera, obviously we've talked a lot about him. 602 right. OPS. Michael Brantley, 582 OPS. Michael Bourne, 550 OPS. Lonnie Chisinau, do, do I won't even want to say his number? No, his yeah, OPS? I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> no one is hitting. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I, I you know, as a team, I looked up on Fangraphs. And in August, the lineups uh, weighted runs created plus, which is kind of the Fangraphs equivalent to OPS plus, if you're a listener who knows OPS plus. And, you know, the idea is to take the players hitting and adjust it for the parts he plays in and the league and all of that stuff. And 100 is league average and below 100 is, is worse. And the Indians are at 83, which is worse than the American League. Uh, you know, I mean, worse than the Astros and the White Sox, the Mariners, you know, teams that you think of as being poor offensive teams and, the Indians are outdoing them all. Uh, and it's been frustrating because on the flip side, the pitching's been so good. You know, I mean, this is what we couldn't get all last year and a lot of this year. And the pitching's been – because the same thing in August, fielding independent pitching, 3.23, best in the American League. Nine-plus nine strikeouts a game, best in the American League. I mean, the pitching's been at its best – and they're losing so many of these three to one, three to two, two to nothing type games. It's uh, yeah, in a way, it's more frustrating than losing like eleven to four, where you get your butt kicked. But so be I don't know. I'm this is a rough series for me. Well, I mean, it's it's a two sided coin because number one, you get extremely frustrated when you waste all those pitching performances like they had of late. But at the same right. time, you think. These guys can't stink at the plate. They're too good for this long. And once they get going, it, they can play with anybody. But it's put it's just putting that together. And, and, and yeah. unfortunately, that they're running out of time. And they're, you know, obviously yeah. this is a, and it's a very important nine game stretch. And they might have the, you know, obviously their most important series to date, you know, in Detroit this weekend. And, and if they get swept, they might be done. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they. I know a lot of Indians fans, you know, there's, you know, oh, should we be, the Tigers are playing the A's, and who should we cheer for? Because we want the Tigers to lose so we can win the division. And I've been in the camp for a couple of weeks now, I think, you know, since the last Detroit series where the division's off my radar, the wild card's the thing, and, and, and Oakland was, I think, what, like a game and a half, I think maybe two games ahead of the Indians going into the week. And so I was hoping to see the Tigers win, and sort of expecting them to take at least two, if not three of the four, and instead they lost three. And, yeah, I mean, four games is a 
is a big deficit at this point. I mean, if they, if they get swept this weekend, I think it's over. I think. Well, yeah, and it, it's. I'm not saying that they get swept because they'd be challenging the Tigers. I'm just saying they can't get swept because that would take them completely out of the wild card spot. Yeah, no, unless, I agree. Unless they get they they get completely lucky and Orioles and the A's all of a sudden go get cold and. A lot of well, right. very That's lucky thing. things like happen. You, you, know, you mentioned the Orioles, and the Yankees are only – oh, my God, if the Yankees make the playoffs after all of this. But they're only one game behind the <laughs> with, Indians. So with if, Mark Reynolds at second base. And... Are still, and uh, yeah, I mean, even if, if Oakland starts losing, if the Indians aren't winning, it just means Baltimore and New York and, you know, other teams are going to be the ones catching the A's. They've got to start winning games. Uh and they've been, I mean, I, do you remember offhand what the record is against the, the Tigers this year? 3-12 and 12 or something like that? Oh, it's it's awful. <laughs> they, I yeah. think they actually won two out of the first three games, and um, <laughs> they won't run maybe a couple games since. I, I'm trying to, yeah. I don't remember. The, it's bad. <laughs> yeah, it's been brutal. And, uh, yeah, so, well, I mean, they, Miguel they, they, Cabrera, they, go ahead. Uh, the, I guess the only saving grace is that if they can somehow pull, you know, go three and three over the next six games and they can get into September and get some reinforcements and maybe they make a trade for somebody, I'm uh, probably doubtful at this point with all the waiver claims kind of, you know, kind of come and gone. Right. They still have an opportunity with their schedule to get back into it. So yeah, that you no, can't. No, no. I mean, so you can't I mean, completely like, just. Yeah, if they're within three games after this stretch, they've got Detroit, and then they come home and play Baltimore next week for three games, and you know after that, some games against the Royals, or you know, I guess are about as good as the Indians, but certainly not you know a very good team. But the Royals are their their toughest opponent after that Baltimore series. So, I mean, I feel like if they're within three games. A week from now, they've got a shot, but they're they're four back now, so they're going to have to find a way to win, you know, half of these next six or something like that. Uh, yeah, and, and, and the good news is that, and the good news is that the fourteen ALT AL East teams that are still in it play each other a whole bunch the last month. So right. there's there are opportunities, but the big thing is, you know, they can't let Oakland run away from them. Yeah. Yeah, and again, you know, you, you thought maybe the Tigers would would knock them down a couple of games, and if the Indians won even one of this series, that maybe they'd only be a game back. But that's not how it played out. And I thought Miguel Cabrera left today's game, uh, which the Tigers were were losing again. And then because Max Scherzer just knows how to not lose, they uh, they came <laughs> back in the ninth inning. I think it was Tory Hunter had a walk off home run for them. Anyway, they won, but Cabrera left the game. And I was at I'm in Chicago and was was at a White Sox Tigers game a couple of weeks ago and Cabrera was still hitting the bejesus out of the ball but he looked horrible moving around and so I'm not surprised he's been struggling but he's apparently already said he expects he'll be in the lineup tomorrow so it doesn't look like he'll probably hit two home runs <laughs> yeah um yeah I mean. I, I can't even remember off offhand how far back we are of Detroit at the moment. It's not all that far. I suppose it, if we swept them, hey, the division's still in play, but it's just so hard to imagine the Indians sweeping anyone right. I, they're six and a half back. Even if they swept, it'd be 
three and a half with four wheels. Three and a half and, and making up three and a half because they, they both have about the same type of schedule. Right. It, it's, it's uh, yeah, even if they sweep them. I, I mean, yeah, if they sweep yeah. them, it will be better for them for the wild card than for the division. Exactly, but it's still about the wild card. Um, all right, so the, the lineup, as we said, been a, you know, almost across the board mess. The pitching, as we said, has been really good. Um, but there are some kind of question marks or unknowns with, with the rotation. Salazar, who hasn't looked this sharp, um, there's some, I haven't seen anything definitive, but there's a sense that he's going to reach an innings limit pretty soon. Uh, you know, Casimir was better in his last start, but he's way beyond the number of innings he's thrown in any recent year. Uh, but then on the flip side, Corey Kluber, hopefully back. Uh, Josh Tomlin, maybe ready to make a, his first appearance for a while. What do you, what do you see from the rotation or what do you hope to see? I mean, starting rotation, go. Well, um, obviously they can't pitch any better than, you know, than they have to this point, at least recently since, since the Detroit series. Um, obviously Matheson's actually been one of the weakest links actually of, of this rotation because he's kind of struggled to, uh, Get through games, as odd as that sounds. Obviously, Jimenez has been just incredible <laughs> compared to kind of what yeah. we thought of him at the beginning of the year. He's turned into kind of no, not the guy the Indians traded for, but kind of seventy-five percent of the guy, which is still pretty yeah. good. <laughs> and uh, you know, you have a kind of a rejuvenated Zach McAllister. Um, yep. you know, whatever you get from Casimir and Salazar probably right now is a bonus. And then you're going to have – try to mix, mix and match Josh Tomlin and Corey Kluber. You know, who knows who you'll bring up. Uh, maybe some Carrasco spot starts. Uh, maybe Trevor Bauer makes it. So there's enough pitching that if – they can mix and match and, you know, just the right way that they can get through this month and be pretty good. But it's, again, it's, you know, can, can the, the hitting get, get going again? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to believe so many guys slumping at the same time. It feels like they've got to snap out of it. Uh, it's just a matter of, do they snap out of it in time for it to make a difference? Um yeah, I, yeah. I, if, if, if this was if this, if this was July, and they were doing this, like, well, there's plenty of time for them to get going again. But you know, here we are at the at the end of August, and you know, right. every if you have a bad week from now on, if you have a bad week, it might be over. So. Yep. Yeah, I mean, at this point, like we said, a, a bad weekend and it could be over. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Jimenez, you know, he he gave up the home run tonight, and. uh you know, if that one at bat goes differently, and you know, not not to give him credit, you know, I mean, he, he gave up the home run, he gave up the runs, but uh, you know, ten strikeouts for the second game in a row, which I saw Jordan Bastian, who, if you're listening and don't know, he's uh, the Indians beat writer for MLB.com. Uh, he tweeted after the game that Jimenez was the first Indians pitcher with back-to-back ten strikeout games since Sabathia uh, <laughs> before he got traded in in 2008. So, I mean. That's been a while, and and Ivaldo probably you know a month or two ago, not the guy who would have guessed just because he was barely getting ten guys out in some games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and I, I mean, you, I mean, when I get 
it's hard to hard to really look back on it during the middle of the season, but I think once the end of the season hits, we'll look back on this season and say Mickey Calloway is a is amazing because of what. Yeah. No, I mean you. you I mean, before, yeah, and it's not like they got a bunch of bunch of different guys. They, I mean, they most of the guys that have had success were here last year and had one of the worst pitching staffs in Indians history. Right. <laughs> and so, and, and and Jimenez is obviously the poster child for for the turnaround. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's I I think a lot of fans have been slow to realize that the I think finally. A lot of the bad mouthing of him has sort of died down, but it took a while for people to notice. And you know, there's still he, he doesn't go as deep into games as he'd like, but you know, he's he's been really good for I mean, definitely since the All Star break, and really since he just had a, a horrible April. I'll be interested. I, I you know, a month into the season, I thought there was no way the Indians would possibly exercise the option they have on him for next year, but now it you know it. If they believe yeah. he's the be the pitcher he's been for a couple months now, I, I think you you they will exercise that option. Well, they, yeah, they they, they will they will exercise it, but unfortunately now it's a mutual option. So, oh um, right, Jimenez has to has to do it, and I mean, if he he'd be kind of stupid to exercise it because he go on the market. I mean, I guarantee you he'll get at least somebody. We'll offer him yep. three year a three year deal. No, yeah, you're right. I totally forgot about that because I was so caught up. And well, certainly he'll exercise it, but the Indians shouldn't. And totally forgot that it's mutual. Yeah, you're right. He won't. That's bizarre to think, but yeah, he he absolutely won't want to do it at this point. Um, speaking of pitchers and leaving the Indians, Brett Myers released today uh, after pretty stellar contributions to the team this year. Um, you know, I, I I was kind of surprised after uh, after the news came out, there were some pretty uh, – there were tweets from people and, and, and words and articles from people that were kind of harsh. It was uh, There was one I put in the, my, my post to the, at Let's Go Tribe from Dennis Maniloff, who's one of the beat writers for the Cleveland Plain Dealer, and it said – I'm not going to go so far as to state that Myers' teammates couldn't stand him, but they sure as heck won't miss him. And uh, it's pretty rare you get someone whose job it is to talk to players who comes out that harshly and kind of implicates other players in it. Um, Yeah, and and the weird thing is, I mean, he he hasn't really pitched since I don't know April or something like that. Yeah, April, I think nineteenth. So it's, so it's not like he's been in the clubhouse a whole bunch. I guess he's obviously right. rehabbing and in and out. But man, one, one you know, basically a month of spring training and one month of the season, and then everyone kind of hates him. <laughs> kinda, yeah, I mean, you know, in terms of stuff from his his personal life from you know a few years ago now, he. he He's not someone I thought very high of coming in, um, but you know, one of those classic sports things. If he'd been pitching lights out, I probably would have gotten amnesia about it during the season. Um, sure. But he did not pitch well. He, you know, he, he made he pitched 21, 21 innings, so not a lot. But uh, for anyone who's ever pitched even just twenty one innings, 
his fielding independent pitching of 871 is the worst in Indians history. And he gave up 10 home runs in those 21 innings. <laughs> the worst home run ratio of any pitcher on any team in any season in history for, you know, a guy with even just 21 innings. Um, yeah, and just to, just to give some context to that, Ubaldo Jimenez, who, you know, <laughs> going into the season we thought he was going to stink, he, he pitched 134 innings coming in today and, you know, add seven to that, um, and he's given up 16 home runs the entire season. Justin yeah. Mastin has 189, 188 innings. He's given up 13 home runs. Right. Yeah, so good work by Brett. Uh, thanks for your service to the team. Well, it's actually, his service well was, like, was, was kind of getting hurt and giving Corey Kluber a chance. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, look, you know, if you look on the bright side of things. We're paying Kluber $7 million this year instead. Um, well, so let's look at who, who all did the Indians bring in. Obviously, Swisher and Bourne were the big two. Um, and then Myers, Rayburn. Uh, is there anyone else who was signed last offseason that I'm forgetting? That's actually Kazmir, obviously. Kazmir. Um, Kazmir. Giambi. I feel like, I don't know, you know, Swisher and Bourne, I think, have been disappointing. They haven't been terrible. Uh, but they haven't been what they, they were in previous seasons. And for as much money as they're owed, that's been frustrating. Uh, Rayburn and Casimir, on the other hand, uh, you know, both, I think, much more than anyone reasonably could have expected. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess it's a mixed bag for the the new acquisitions. Jan Gomes, who they, who they traded for, has been tremendous. And... I think should be playing more earlier in the season. I was saying, no, no, you know, Santana's value is partially tied up in the play, but I, I, I've changed my mind on that. I would like to see Gomes play more. How about you? Do you have any lineup adjustments you'd like to see? Um, yeah. As far as going down the stretch, um, I, I yeah. if, if they don't, I mean, Gomes has to be playing regularly. I'm not saying he has to play every day because he has to take, you know, he's a catcher. It's sure. going to take some days off, but between you know, Santana, I think the first thing they'll do on September 1st is bring up that third catcher so that right. they can play Santana at DH because John B, his home runs aside, has been pretty awful in the second half yeah. of the year. And, you know, it, it makes too much sense to put Santana at DH um, Gomes at catcher, that's obviously your better defensive arrangement. And you, you know, right. you allow Santana not to have to catch and, you know, hit it clean up and be, be the big run producer. And you, then you'd have that third, third catcher in, in the, uh, on the bench just in case something happens. Um, and, sure. and obviously the rest of the lineup, I don't know what else you can do. Um, once Rayburn comes back, assuming he'll come back fairly soon he'll he should be playing right field obviously but unfortunately yeah. he's had a couple leg injuries and that so that that gives you pause about whether he can actually play the outfield right yeah and and unfortunately the 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 position player depth in the minors is not very good in the high right. minors so there's yeah. no but there's no there's no outfielder i mean the Indians brought up Matt Carson. He's kind of like a placeholder, I, I guess. Basically, a, a, like a body that, that can play outfield, but I think he'll be gone September 1st as they add somebody to the roster. Yeah. 
but there isn't much, you know, that's why, you know, I was kind of disappointed that the Indians didn't jump on a guy like David DeJesus when he was available again because the Rays got him. And obviously the Indians had a worse record than the Rays, so they certainly could have acquired him. And he he certainly, you know, could have could have helped down the stretch. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, just the offense is floundering. You just want to feel like you want to – you'd rather see them fail with a different lineup than the same one night after night. Uh, but you're right. I think at this point, I mean, to, um, Saturday is the last day, even if they could work something out. You, I don't think you can – once September oh, – no, I think you – I guess you can add guys in September that just can't be on a playoff they, Yeah, they just can't be on your postseason roster. Right. Um, you can obviously, if you're fighting for a playoffs, well, you can acquire a player. Right. And it can help you get to the postseason. But once you get to the postseason, he can't he can't be on your roster. Yep. Right. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Like, like, like we've already said tonight, you know, if you have to think at some point the bats come back and, uh, you know, Rayburn hopefully back and in a couple of days they can bring up another catcher. And at that point, maybe you – you can play Santana at first, push Swisher in right, and get Rayburn at DH a little bit. I don't know. You know what I mean? They can mix and match, I guess. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, you can. You can. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I guess what we're saying, we're both saying, is that the guys that are currently on the roster, they're the ones that have to, you know, have to have to step up. There isn't a whole lot the Indians can bring up from the minors that will help the offense. A guy like David Cooper is kind of like a shot in the dark. Who knows what he'll. If they bring him up, who knows what he'll he'll be able to do? He hasn't played most right. of the year. He had, he had a he had a two couple vertebrae, a, a, a major back surgeries, put it that way, um, earlier in the year. So who knows what he's capable of? And you know, so the guys, the guys, Kipnis, Cabrera, Brantley, Bourne, Chisholm, you know, Chisholm Hall, um, they they're the ones that have to hit. If, right. if they don't hit, it doesn't matter who the Indians bring up. Yep, that's true. I, I mean, I, I think playing Gomes more is the one adjustment that they could make that I think could make a difference. And you're right, the rest of it is just either the guys on the team start hitting like they were earlier in the year or they don't. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what comes of it. Um, playing the Braves, I think for me and probably a lot of Indians fans, my mind wanders back to the 95 team since – that was the World Series matchup that year. So that team's lineup was maybe the best in Indians history. The lineup has been terrible for the last month. So if you could take one 1995 Indian and, and put him on the roster for the rest of the season, who do you go with? It's easy, Albert Bell. <laughs> yeah, that is easy. From, from, from that team, well, another one of pet peeves. He should have won the '95 MVP. The uh, the Mo Vaughn winning the 1995 MVP is the most ludicrous award. I yeah, think. I mean, I think that's a perfect example I, I, of. May, and maybe I'm biased, but Mo Vaughn over Albert Bell still is the most ludicrous uh, MVP award I think I've I've seen. Uh, yeah, well, I think you know, as long as I follow baseball. And it's not, I mean, sometimes you look back at awards and we have statistics we didn't have back then. You know, you use something like war or even just like OPS plus that accounts for, oh, gosh, Fenway was kind of an easy park to hit in. Maybe Jim Rice wasn't <laughs> quite that good. Um, 
But you don't need stats like that. I mean, he had, just looking at the numbers that baseball writers have always loved, Bell should have crushed Vaughn. I think uh, Edgar Martinez is the is the guy you could make some sort of case for instead of Bell. Well, yeah, and, and if Edgar, Mar- Edgar Martinez would have won the award, I don't think I would have really, yeah, Mo I, I kind of probably, I'm, probably would have been upset, but Mo Vaughn, oh my goodness. <laughs> All right, you're right. Albert Bell was too. Okay, let's say Albert Bell. He's busy. Who's next on that team? Go Tomei. I was thinking maybe Tomei, who hadn't totally come into his own, but well, third base has been pretty. Yeah, rough this I, year. yeah, you're right. If you if you're looking at marginal up uh, marginal upgrades, but huge upgrades, <laughs> Tomei a third base. Yes. Um, I think obviously Manny wasn't right, so. Uh, he would obviously be an upgrade over Drew Stubbs, <laughs> and or you know, but Brian Raber has been okay. Um, if we're talking about lineups, um, obviously you had Murray. Um, most I think Murray was most most of the time at DH. I think yep. Paul Sereno at first base, and Paul Sereno actually would have. I, I'm pretty sure without looking it up, out hit Nick Swisher even if he adjusted to to this era. So right. even the Sorrento, who is I think most of the time hitting eighth, is you know what what you know would have hit better than or it did hit better than uh, Nick Swisher this year. Yeah, I mean I think you know Kipnis gets the advantage over Bayerga, uh, Santana gets the edge over. I think it was kind of a platoon between Tony Pena and Sandy Alomar at that point. Yeah, because Sandy was hurt I think a lot of that year. Right, but you know what? I just brought it up, Tomei. His OPS was was 996, so I guess he he was pretty well into his own. So <laughs> that's pretty good. He's pretty solid upgrade <laughs> over Chisholm Hall. It's uh sort of bittersweet. I, I, I mean, I, at this point, I've pulled up the 95 team stats, and gosh, they could hit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go to bed sad now tonight, missing all of those guys. Um, yeah, and you had uh, obviously you had Bell had the ridiculous year, and Manny Ramirez as a 23 year old, basically I think a year younger than Chisholm always now, you know, hitting 31 home runs, 960 OPS. Yeah. Tommy was Chisholm's age, right? So to think about that. <laughs> right. At a 996 OPS, uh, you know, <laughs> Carlos Berga was only 26. I think uh, isn't Kipnis 26 this year? Uh, so, yeah, I think and, you're right. Yeah, wow. Good team, a young team. And they can pitch too. Everyone, you know, their, their offense was so good. Everyone talks about that, but Dennis Martinez was great that year. They, they, oh, they the had a good pen. rotation. Oh. Earl Hershiser. Yeah. The bullpen was incredible. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If you if you look at a bullpen, uh, Julian Tavares had probably um, him and Betancourt probably that the two greatest relief seasons of kind of the reliever era, Indians era. Uh, he was just incredible. Um, obviously, Plunk and Poole and Awesome Marker, the lefty righty guys that Hargrove used. Of course, you know Jose Mesa. I mean, yeah. Yeah, this was I mean, a whole thing. This is. Me. I think of '97 first. I think of Game Seven, and oh, we, we lost. But yeah, I mean '95. His ERA was one one three. That's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, and he. But uh, 
Yeah, the the 2013 team, no 95 team, but not bad. And you know they're they're as awful as this week has been. Got a month left. They can just find a way to win three of these next six. We'll see what happens. Well, but yeah, I guess I'll you know I'll kind of get towards a, a better better mindset of things. Just think about this team last year. Yeah. You know, here with here they were just losing you know, I think they only won four or five games in August. Here we are at the end of August and we're complaining about I don't know, I don't know what the Indians are in August, maybe around five hundred now. And yeah, they're ninety eight nine games above five hundred. And you can see and more importantly, you can see how they can be competitive for the near future because of the pitching that they've has, has kind of stepped up this year. Right. One all right, last question on that note, you know, talking about going for this year's not over, we're not writing it off, but looking at the future. Uh I was talking to I think my the last couple of weeks my guests and you know there's always a the talk that in Detroit, uh Illich, the owner there, he, he he's in he's advanced in years and might not have a long time left and desperately wants to win a World Series and the Tigers are you know have spent a ton of money and uh so hypothetically Let's say the Tigers win the World Series this year. He 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 gets the trophy, gets the ring. Uh, does he then decide, well, I don't need to spend anymore and slash payroll, or does he no chance? The World Series? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, look what he's done with the Red Wing. I mean, yeah, he's not. I yeah, I mean, I don't think he'll stop at one. I mean, and yeah, you know, I don't they, they, they they have a and they have a and. They have a lot of guys that are tied up anyway that you know it wouldn't make sense to dump them right now anyway in Prince Fielder, um, even if they wanted to trade him. And, you know, obviously he's still uh, – he's having a down year, but he's still a good player, but his contract is just yeah massive. <laughs> so, yeah, they're, they're not going away. They will have a competitive – I don't know if they'll be as good if, you know, once these guys get a little older and maybe they make a couple mistakes finally. In player in you know in player moves, but I, they will still be the team that the Indians have to beat. Yeah, the I mean, next for the next uh, certainly the next two or three years. Yeah, I feel the same way. I don't think he'd blow it up. I keep hoping I'll ask someone and and someone will try to convince me that he would blow it up, but no one seems to think so. Well, but the but the good thing is is you have the two wild cards. And once you get into the playoffs, I mean, you can look at recent examples. They're all over the place. Even if you get in as the the wild card and you win the game, it's a short series. And I don't care if you're, you know, who's pitching or who the players are. Anything can happen. And that's why baseball is so – it's so different than kind of some other sports like, you know, the NBA. You're playing the same – team seven times in baseball you're playing a different team even though it's the same team you're playing playing a different pitcher probably a different lineup every every night and it's all it's a very short series you do have a one game or short series i think in the nba the better team you know if we're talking about two teams that aren't just evenly matched you know in a one eight two seven type series the better team wins for you know, wins the game eighty percent of the time, and in baseball, the better team 
only wins at, you know, 65% of the time, something like that. So absolutely. And it's a, it's two it's two different types of competitions. You have the hundred sixty two game competition, which pits your depth against other teams' depth. I mean, obviously the Yankees are, you know, assuming a, a healthy Yankees team and their payroll is going to overcome, you know, a kind of a smaller market team over hundred sixty two games because they just have can buy more talent, overall talent. But during a seven game series, it doesn't matter. So that's right. that's why just you know if the Tigers keep one in division titles, the Indians can just make the wild card. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean that's the thing. It's it, it's the wild card. They need to beat the Tigers for the wild card though, not not for the division. Let that go. Well, Ryan, thanks for joining me. Um, hope you enjoy your Labor Day weekend. I hope it brings a victory or three or. Negotiate to two. Um, I hope I hope for two. Uh, let's be let's be realistic. <laughs> yeah, I'm not hoping for two. I'll, you're right. Let's hope for two. Uh, and yeah, I will. We'll talk again soon. Okay. Okay, that was Ryan Richards, and uh, this has been episode ten of Let's Talk Tribe. Again, the big series in Detroit this weekend. We've got Zach McAllister going tomorrow uh, against Rick Porcello for Detroit. Scott Casimir going Saturday against Annabelle Sanchez. And then Danny Salazar hoping to rebound against uh, Justin Verlander, who's who's been, by Verlander's standards, really struggling lately. Uh, and then they come back home to Cleveland for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday games against the Orioles, who they're fighting with for, I guess, third place in the two-spot wildcard race. And the schedule gets a lot easier after that. But like Ryan and I were talking about earlier, if they're if they fall much further back, it's not going to matter how easy the schedule is the rest of the way. So hopefully the bats wake up and the the pitchers keep doing what they've been doing. And hopefully we're talking a week from now and we're looking at a team that's only two or three out of a playoff spot. Uh, we'll see. Talk to you next week. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.